Good morning and welcome to another episode of CCT Live. This is Cape Cod Times Live uh, Facebook broadcast each week, Thursday at 9 o'clock. We're a little late today because of uh, some more technical difficulties, but we got through that. And uh, we'll try and turn up the volume. I know some folks have been talking about the volume. You can try turning up your computers as well, but uh, we'll speak as loudly as, as uh, is reasonable here. Uh, I'm Patrick Cassidy. I'm news editor here at the Cape Cod Times. I'm joined by Sean Driscoll. He's our business reporter, but he covers uh, and has in the past uh, covered uh, towns and other things going on, but uh, covers whatever gets thrown at him uh, these days. And, and certainly this last week, a lot has been going on uh, with the tragic death of Yarmouth, uh, now Sergeant, uh, uh, Police uh, Sergeant Sean Gannon. And we'll talk a lot about that. We're going to cover a couple of other stories really quickly here um, and then move on to that. You can follow us on Facebook and all our social media accounts and look at some past episodes at capecodtimes.com slash cctlive. Um, but we're going to get started right away. Uh, there was uh, some whale bones that had been in place in East Ham at this home uh, called the Captain Edward Penniman House. Um, it was a, a home that the Cape Cod National Seashore had bought uh, many years ago. And these whale bones have been there for 50 years, which is pretty incredible. They're jaw bones. It's an iconic uh, location, Fort Hill in East Ham, if anybody knows that area. And they basically are the entrance to the, to the property. And anybody who's been out there um, knows kind of what we're talking about. But they are old, and uh, the seashore decided... Uh, that it was time for them to come down. There was concern about uh, them deteriorating and becoming a, a public safety hazard. Um, have you ever seen the whale bones? Have you ever been no, I've heard about them, but I've never been out to the Penniman House. Um, yeah. And I kind of knew it was the, a thing, but I didn't realize that this was the third set and yeah. that they dated back. It makes sense it would be sort of a tradition from the whaling days, but I didn't realize that A, it was the third set, and B, that they're they're only 50 years old to a, to a certain extent. I kind of figured they were much older than that. So. Yeah, and, and again, they, they are 50 years old. As you said, there were two sets before that. I think when the house was first built back in uh, 1868, maybe, um, uh, there was a set of whale bones from a sperm whale. This was, you know, uh, a, a captain uh, who built this house. And, and again, it's kind of normal in seaside communities to have these in different places. The, the Quidnet area, which I never knew even existed on Nantucket, apparently, uh, was a place where there are a lot of these. But there aren't any more, and they're in very few locations. Not in vogue, I think, now to yeah. have whale bones at your property. Probably. Yeah, again, I, I don't even know where you'd, where you'd buy whale bones. And the fact is you don't. Uh, there's some interesting information in this story by Marianne Bragg about what you have to do also with whale bones once you carve them out of the whale, which, uh, again, was done. She talked to one of the uh, former rangers, a retired ranger from the seashore, who was part of carving these whale bones out of uh, this whale that had come ashore on Jeremy Point in Wellfleet. Uh, uh, again, more than 50 years ago, and you have to apparently put them in a pond for a couple of years, then you have to bury them in an ant mound, and, and essentially the idea is to, that you're getting all the, you're cleaning them, uh, more or less. But you preparing. can't just like rinse them off, I guess, probably. No. A really big sink. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But even then, they say there were still remnants on the whale bones that attracted rodents and birds, and again, that led to some of the deterioration, it sounds like. So they're concerned about safety. They're taking them down. Um, it's not clear exactly whether they'll be replacing them, but they are considering options in terms of putting up a, a new gate, which is essentially what it acted as. Uh, you can see photos of these uh, bones. They're pretty impressive on our website, capecottimes.com, and we'll continue to follow what happens. The reaction was pretty uh, interesting that people were saying, oh, no, you should put more them up again. You should get uh, some more whale bones because people 
who go visit that area. It's a nice place to walk with your family. If you're mm -hmm. ever looking for some place to walk on Fort Hill um, and you drive past this house with these with these whale bones and, and you can take a look at them and, and look at them on our website. Uh, so an interesting story got, got some reaction this week. And so they're already gone. They're already gone, okay. exactly. And and again, uh, they they are looking at whether or not they're going to replace them, but we're not sure exactly what direction they're going to go into right now. Um, also this weekend, we talked a, I talked a little bit about this on the last week's broadcast, kind of looking ahead, was this proposed uh, recall uh, provision. And did, did you know or not whether there was a recall provision in the county charter? I knew that there was not, but only because I sit very close to Jeff Spillane in yeah. the newsroom. So not of my own knowledge, but I, I, I know... There is not. I'm correct, right? You there are correct. Not. Okay. And, and uh, they're trying to figure that out. And one of the reasons is because uh, County Commissioner Ronald Beatty Jr., who's been in office uh, more than a year at this point, uh, during that time has uh, seemingly angered you know many different constituents with his uh, posts on Twitter. He has a, um, a Twitter style and, and a social media style that's very much like our president, and he is a big fan of, of uh, Donald Trump. And he has uh, suggested things such as culling sharks. He has called the hashtag MeToo uh, movement uh, a nonsense um, and, and obviously has angered people in other ways. They came back and said, how do we get this guy out of office? And they said, well, let's recall him. And then people said, well, there is no recall provision in the, in the county charter. Interestingly enough, there's language that indicates that they had planned on putting one in. Uh, a subhead essentially that said recall or something along those lines, but then there was no specificity after that as to how that would happen. So the Assembly of Delegates, and not to get into the weeds any more than we have to here, they're the legislative branch of county government. Uh, they are looking at uh, proposals to uh, insert a recall provision, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be easy. As with many things in government, the wheels turn slowly. And so they'll be looking at that. And the the issue for some of these people who are looking to get Mr. Beatty out of office um, is that uh, it may take longer than his term, which runs through 2020. Um, so that's quite a, quite a ways out still, but it does seem like they it may take even longer than that to get this recall provision into the county charter. Would, would the charter, would it have to be approved by the voters? It would have charter? to be approved, I believe, by the voters and also by the state legislature. Okay. I mean, it's not, I, I don't think they it's They can't just, just do it locally. They can't just do it um, locally. It starts locally. They have to uh, run the language. They had language that they had uh, uh, attorneys look at, and I think the state um, uh, election uh, attorney look at, and they said it wasn't going to pass muster, so they had to go back to that and start reworking it. Hmm. So we'll see where it goes. Mr. Beatty, for his part, uh, sees this in a, in a related petition that's online uh, as, as is you know normal these days people uh, look to to online to start these types of petitions uh, calling for his uh, removal from office and and calls it the the work of fanatical uh, Democrats and, and liberals um, and he, he, he believes he's a, a very conservative uh, member of the county commission and he believes that uh, again in all likelihood that it's nonsense that they don't they don't agree with his views and he doesn't agree with theirs. He, I think he said something to the effect of we can agree to disagree and move on. So um, obviously he's not interested. Um, interesting enough, I think he was somebody who in the past had asked about a recall provision before he was a county official um, uh, that didn't go anywhere. Um, but now that he's in this position, um, certainly there are people who want to see that enacted. Um, so we'll move on at this point, and, and we're going to move on to what is uh, easily uh, the largest story uh, of, of the week, the month, the year, um, many years uh, mm -hmm. in, in all likelihood. 
Um, and that's the death of uh, Yarmouth Police, uh, then canine officer Sean Gannon. A week ago today, um, we were uh, going through the process of getting the next day's paper together and uh, people here in the newsroom heard, uh, you know, uh, shots fired, I believe, officer down. And that started uh, off this process of trying to find out what happened. Uh, we learned, unfortunately, that uh, a police officer had been shot. Uh, later learned that, that that officer had died. And uh, by the end of the night, I believe, we had learned that it was uh, Sean Gannon. And he was a 32-year-old member of the, of the Yarmouth Police Department. And uh, since then, obviously, the community has been uh, dealing with this. The department has been dealing with this. Um, and the outpouring of support has been enormous. Sean, you've been covering this um, uh, along the way uh, in, in various ways. Um, tell us what, what's happened since that day and, and uh, sure. what people have said. Well, we'll start backwards a little bit. I mean, yesterday was uh, Sergeant Gannon's funeral, and we should note, obviously, that he was promoted posthumously. So he was an officer when he was killed, um, and the department announced that he was promoted uh, after he died, so that's why we're referring to him now as Sergeant Gannon. Um, but uh, yesterday was his funeral at St. Pius X in South Yarmouth. The day before that was the wake at the church, and just seas of police officers from all over New England, New York, um, you know, a lot of out-of-state plates. I think every department in the state had somebody there, probably it would be safe to say nearly at least all of them. Um, you know, just thousands and thousands of police officers and, and just citizens who came out wanting to pay their respects. Um, the service yesterday was at the church. It wasn't broadcast at the request of the family, but there was an overflow room where, um, you know, mourners and the media were allowed to observe the proceedings. And the service itself was really about Sean and his faith. I mean, he is very Catholic. His family is very Catholic. They all went to Bishop Stang um, High School, so deep roots in, the, in that community uh, and in Christianity. So it really was about his faith and uh, talking about how, you know, our faith can help us, you know, or your faith can help you kind of got, find a way through this tragedy. Um, so it was, it was nice. It was really the first thing that it was a lot more about Sean and not as much about the police force. Not that, I mean, it's obviously a huge tragedy for everybody, but it really focused yesterday on his, his faith. And there was this sort of huge grief outside and the processional with the police and but inside this church, you know, it really was about his, a lot more focused on his, his faith and, uh, and getting through that. So it really was a, it was a very moving service. I mean, there were a couple hundred people at the overflow room where I was and, you know, lots of tears. I can only imagine what it was like inside the church. And then um, this huge, just to see this, these waves of police officers standing out there all at attention you know, as the family came out and got in the, the hearse and they, they drove away. And I, I wasn't there, but I know there were hundreds upon hundreds of canine officers lining the route to the cemetery uh, in, in West Yarmouth. So it was it was just a huge display, a really moving day. And, and, and he's, uh, the cemetery you mentioned, is uh, very close to the police station. I thought that was interesting at the Shanley yeah. Bay Cemetery. I didn't even know it was there, and I drive past it every I, day. It's kind of tucked behind yeah. these neighborhoods that are across the street from the police station on Higgins Crawl Road. And as you said, canine officers, I think the count was 400, 500 different canine units mm -hmm. uh, from across the state beyond uh, Massachusetts um, came out to pay their respects. And there's, there's so many layers to this uh, tragedy in terms of, as you said, the, the family, um, mm -hmm. and, and obviously he has a, a young wife, and, and he was young himself, 32 years old. 
Um, and, and again, he was shot uh, in a Marston's Mills home um, as he was uh, helping to serve a search warrant. And uh, they arrested the person who shot that and shot him. The police are calling this person 125 for uh, what they say are all the charges against him. His name is Thomas Latanowich. He's a 29-year-old man from Somerville, but has a lot of roots here on the Cape and, and a lot of connections to the Cape and a long, long criminal record. Um, so a lot of questions about that. But then again, the grief of the family, the grief of the police department. Yarmouth Police Department is an extraordinarily tight-knit police department. Um, they're, they're, they consider themselves an integral part of the community. Uh, the community uh, has kind of wrapped their arms around the Yarmouth Police Department. Um, and, and again, their, their reach goes beyond Yarmouth uh, across the state. They've traveled to different places themselves for uh, tragedies in other places. Sandy uh, Hook in, in Newtown, mm -hmm. they, they went down uh, shortly after the, the shooting, uh, shootings there and uh, paid their respects, and that, that respect is being returned to the department. Um, and then again, the community at large, the canine community. Absolutely, uh, right. Gannon's dog, Nero, uh, was also shot uh, mm -hmm. during this incident. Right, and he was released yesterday, we found out, late in the day. So he's uh, out of the animal hospital, and he's recovering. You know, I know you got to see him this weekend. You went out there, and um, he's been getting a lot of support and attention as well. Um, and uh, he, he got to leave the animal hospital last night, which is good news. And has become a, a symbol of sorts. And mm -hmm. again, I think people look for uh, certainly uh, light in, in the wake of tragedies like this. Um, that community outpouring uh, they've pointed to of support from the community for the police department. And then Nero's survival mm -hmm. um, has been a big part of that. Um, but it's also been mixed with, with uh, um, again, other communities. When we, we talk about this, you wrote a story that ran in Sunday's paper about uh, Sean Gannon and his wife Dara and all the people they touched. Uh, what 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 was that about? If you can talk about sure. That well, I mean, Dara Gannon works at the Cape Cod Foundation um, and is one of these people who is really of this community in a, in a big way. Is on a lot of boards, does a lot of volunteering, um, which is really remarkable. She hasn't even been here for ten years, and she came one of the one of the the famous Cape Codders who came on vacation and decided they never wanted to leave uh, back in 2011. But I cover the nonprofit community as part of my work as the business reporter. And Dara is a person who a lot of people gravitate towards because she's got a really outgoing personality and a lot of people are really fond of her and working with her. So this tragedy is really folding in on so many levels that this nonprofit community and the charitable community on the Cape is affected by it in, in ways that really are different. I mean, it's not a sector that really would kind of expect that. I mean, when you're, you know, and, and there, you know, it's like if you didn't know Sean Gannon as a police officer, you probably knew Dara Gannon as this force in the community, you know, and very active in young professionals and in that network as well. And Sean himself was a big brother with the Big Brothers Big Sisters program. So they were, you know, out there in so many ways in such a, you know, young couple, a great young couple and sort of a force of nature. One person told me that they were so excited to see what they could do and the tragedy of what will be lost of them as a couple is, you know, almost hard to, to comprehend at this point because they really sort of had the whole world in front of them. And, and we're, you know, obviously after the fact, but even uh, before uh, Sean Gannon was killed, I, I, you get the feeling that they were held up as this uh, couple that you know did the things that you hope young people would do in terms of volunteering. The Big Brothers Big Sisters you mentioned. I know uh, Sean Gannon went into schools uh, with his dogs, uh, Nero, and before that Thor. 
um, uh, to talk to school children about policing and, uh, and, and to, you know, kids love dogs, obviously, and, and it was kind of a natural for him to be in that position. Um, and then Yarmouth uh, Police Chief uh, Frank Fredrickson talked about um, his career path. And, and again, he, interestingly enough, served under former Yarmouth Police Chief Peter Carnes at Stonehill College, mm -hmm. where, where, uh, where uh, Peter Carnes is chief or was chief. Um, and uh, when he came to Yarmouth, it was interesting to hear that um, he, he could have done certain things, and instead I think he went into a, a, the emergency management aspect of things. Right. And, and, uh, and a master's degree. I mean, he really was, you know, really interested in, in delving into sort of not your typical career path, but he really liked being of the community as a police officer and liked being out there in the schools. You know, I mean, Nero was a, a magnet for attention, and he reveled in that, it really seemed like, and just, you know, liked working with people as a police officer and really just kind of all the qualities you would want in a police officer, it really seemed like Sean Gannon had. And and was a fit for the Yarmouth Police Department because of that and because they're a department that, again, consider the, considers themselves so much part of the community. It's out there so much. Um, so certainly, you know, a sad week. Uh, yesterday's funeral was the, the second of two days of kind of more public mourning. Uh, the wake uh, had come before that. And again, as you mentioned before, uh, this sea of police officers who uh, marched down from the Dennis Yarmouth Regional School, uh, high school uh, nearby, um, and, and did a large march, which took hours. I mean, they, yeah. were, they were going to the wake, and it just took hours for them to march back and forth. There were so many of them. Um, and then yesterday, again, the canine officers who had lined the route to the cemetery. Um, it, it, the outpouring continues. It will continue, mm -hmm. um, you know, even as the kind of more official aspects of it uh, come to a close. Obviously, they'll be uh, remembering him going forward. Um, well, and the story doesn't end here for us either. Obviously, there are a lot of questions um, that a lot of people have. And a lot of, you know, I think I wrote a story also this week about how in this grief, there's a lot of anger from the police department in the community and a lot of questions about Latanowich and, you know, his background. So there are, you know, this sort of phase of it is done, but for the community of the police department, and especially for us, there's still a lot, a lot to be done and a lot of questions to be asked and answered. And there have been calls for change to the justice system and, and you know, how was he out? And it, it's complicated. I mean, again, how you know, the process by which anybody goes through the justice system if it's one case is is complicated to have 125 charges which is what the police department says he had uh, against him over the years uh obviously becomes a, an enormous complication to weed through that and try and figure out uh what happened uh but as you said uh it's certainly uh not not over in terms of uh finding out more about what happened here um in terms of in the house and what led up to that situation so we'll be following it and you can follow uh, uh, Sean's work and, and uh, the work of everybody else here at kickoutimes.com. Um, looking forward, uh, just uh, real quickly, um, we have a story coming up uh, uh, this weekend uh, that uh, we're going to look at the Sandwich Boardwalk, uh, which, like so many other areas of the Cape, was uh, pretty hard hit by the storms uh, earlier this year. Um, and now they're trying to figure out exactly uh, how to fix it. Um, it's not a, a small amount of money that would go towards this. This is a, an iconic uh, structure in Sandwich uh, that, that goes uh, to, a, I think, Town Neck Beach mm -hmm. uh, from a parking lot. People go there. They jump off into the marsh area, and it's some someplace that a lot of people know. But it's going to cost a lot of money. 
they're also talking about the possibility of uh, some volunteer efforts and, and, and people volunteering their time and resources to do it. Uh, that story uh, by Tanner Stenning will be appearing in uh, the next couple of days at, at CapeCutTimes.com and in the print edition. Uh, so thank you, Sean, for being here, and thank you for your coverage, and, and thank you, everybody. Uh, feel free to, again, follow us on uh, social media, and uh, we wish you a good morning and good luck.